was that was totally my fault. Yeah, completely my fault. Good morning. Good to see you all. If you'll just mute the monitors, I don't know. I may have this all messed up, Rodney. Just for you, man, because I love you. Well, it's good to see you all. Uh, congratulations on springing forward into spring break for those of you that get to take a spring break. Uh, it's good to see you all here today. Uh, bless the Lord uh, that he calls us uh, to gather together like this for uh, worshiping him for our own edification, that we might be encouraged and built up in him. And that is desperately something that we all desperately need is to be built up in the Lord. And so you're exactly in the right place today. Um, I had the opportunity to travel the past few days, and I was reminded of the psalmist's words where he says, uh, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And talking about uh, connecting that to just how I love to see the world waking up, starting to get green, flowers are short, starting to come out. Some of you are going, but, but allergies, Brother Shannon. Okay, I'm in that boat too, but it's so good uh, to see what the Lord does on a daily basis. Sometimes we just drive on by it, walk on by it, and we just take it for granted. But it's a display of His power, His glory, His goodness, His kindness. And so we thank Him for it. And for that, we worship Him today. Uh, a few announcements to make for you uh, tonight. We'll have our business meeting at 6.30 if you're a member of Cherokee Baptist Church. It's your right, your privilege, and your responsibility to participate in these meetings. So I encourage you, please make every effort to attend. Uh, there will also be no Wednesday activities other than, than prayer meeting because of spring break. So no ladies Bible study, no youth, no children. Uh, the ladies are going to start a new Bible study. It's there in the bulletin. They're going to start it on the 22nd of March. And it's a Bible study called Seamless. And there's some information there about that. If you have any questions, uh, get in touch with um, Carrie Owen and she'll be able to answer any questions that you have. A couple of other announcements that we've been making. I just want to remind you of these. Um, there will be a summer mission trip that is going to Wisconsin. All the information is there in the bulletin, so I encourage you, if that interests you, to take a look at it. But one thing I do want to point out that's in the bulletin is that there will be, on March 26th, a, uh, a meeting about the Wisconsin mission trip. And our director of missions, Zach Harrell, will be present. Because I'm sure that... Um, Brandon, who's leading our, our, our missions committee, he doesn't, sometimes he feels like he doesn't have all the, the information that he needs to answer all our questions. And so with Zach coming, be able to answer all the kinds of questions that might come up. So if that interests you, just make sure on the 26th that we'll make sure and let you know what time. I think it's going to be right after church um, so that um, Zach can go ahead and, and uh, head back home. Uh, then also, there's another uh, mission trip that's going on this summer. It's uh, to Alaska through Arctic Barnabas Ministries, and there's some information in the bulletin about it as well. Two things to point out. There needs to be, uh, if you're wanting to go, the, the team needs to be confirmed by April 30th. And there will be a meeting on the 26th of this month, so two weeks from today. There will be a meeting uh, about, our, about the mission trip with Arctic Barnabas. Speaking of Arctic Barnabas, you know that uh, multiple times a year we send shipments of blessing boxes to the Arctic Barnabas folks. And uh, if you want to know what goes into that, maybe you're not familiar with how we do that, there is a list of the types of things that go into those blessing boxes. Out there in the foyer, you can put those in there, uh, any of those that you might want to buy and donate. And the next shipment goes out in about a month, April 16th. Uh, finally, something that, uh, you know, Jack Shanklin is the chairman of our deacons. 
Um, and there is uh, a new ministry that our deacons are undertaking. It's just simply called Deacon Family Ministry. And they're going to start that actually today. Jack was saying, I wanted to wait on you announcing it to the church before uh, we actually started. And so uh, you're going to have a deacon. Members of the church, you're going to have a deacon assigned to you or you've been assigned to a deacon. Actually, here's the way they did it. They said, who wants this family? And it was all around the room. I'll take it. I'll take that. I'll take that person. I'll take that person. And so these are deacons that want to reach out to you on a regular basis, find out how you're doing, uh, see if there's any way they can minister to you. They'll remember your birthday and your wedding anniversary and all those kinds of things, important days in, in your life. And uh, they just want to know, want you to know that uh, you are important to them, to the church. Uh, and so just when they reach out to you, just make sure you know that they're not they're not the police. Uh, they are doing a ministry. It is a ministry to you. Uh, where you know, and so if there's any kind of situation that you need help with, then you just reach out to to your deacon, and uh, and they'll be able to assist you. Jack, anything else that I need to ramble through? Since I seem to be rambling pretty good. Okay. Are there any other announcements that need to be made? All right. Good. One final thing before we have our call to worship. Did want to remind you if you're visiting with us and you've never done it before, and you know how to drive, if you know how to drive a QR code, uh, if you'll scan that QR code that's in the bulletin, or if you're watching online that's on the screen, you'll be able to pull up. Uh, it's actually a digital bulletin. It'll have all kinds of information in it. Then also down at the bottom, uh, it has a place where you can share some information about yourself, just so we know that you were worshiping with us today. All right, then, let's stand and we will say our call to worship together. We are endeavoring to work our way through. Tracy, you can go ahead and put it up there. We're working our way through memorizing some scriptures. Last week, we memorized uh, Hebrews 12, 1. Now we get the second part, the last half of that sentence this morning in Hebrews 12, 2. So let's say this together. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's sing together. I would encourage if you'd like to um, come up and join the choir, we'd love to have you. So.
everyone would be seated, please. One announcement I failed to make, and this ties into this, I promise. Um, I failed to mention that if you're interested in, in helping out with Vacation Bible School, we're still looking for, we're, are we still looking for workers? A few. A few, okay. And there, there are, uh, in the back, uh, a half sheet of paper, and that half sheet of paper has got some ways that you could volunteer your help with VBS. Um, the dates are on it. I don't remember them off the top. Do you remember them? Five through eight, four through eight? June 4th through 8th, and so um, mark that on your calendar, and it's also in the evening, so if you work and you need to, you're like, I don't know that I'll get to work because, I, I mean, I don't know if I'll be able to help VBS because it's in the morning. No, it's in the evening, so if you'd like to help, we sure want you to do that, so you'll find that back there. Also, you'll find back there, if, if you weren't here and weren't able to pick up one of the prayer guides for Lottie Moon this year, Annie Armstrong this year. Um, those are still back on the back table. Even though the week of prayer, this is actually the last day of the week of prayer, uh, you can pick that up and you can pray it the whole time that we're emphasizing um, the, the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. The theme for Annie Armstrong this year, why is it not on? Oh, there we go. The theme for Annie Armstrong this year is United, Called to be One. And we're going to see a, a quick video on that here in just a moment. And then after that video, there'll be an, another video showing us how God uses um, the money that we, that we send to him. Just a reminder to you that 100% of your gifts go to the mission field. There's no costs that are pulled out of this before it goes to the mission field. This year's goal is $70 million. That sounds like a lot. But national giving has been pretty good as of, as of late for Southern Baptists. Our church goal is $6,000. And if we are true to form, like, like it seems like we always are, we will, we will surpass this goal. Uh, we surpassed all of our other goals uh, for this year. Um, and so I look forward to, to seeing how God uh, uses us to, to meet this $70 million goal. Just so you know... Uh, there's a mission field in need of hope. 371 million people, 350 languages in North America, and all, over 280 million. I don't know why this is happening, Tracy, but you may have to advance the slides for me. There we go. So your gifts, uh, resource missionaries in different ways. $100 will go to training materials. $500 can go to a neighborhood outreach event. $1,500 can go to a monthly worship facility rent. And $30,000 can give one year of support for a church planner and his family. And that's so important. Um, last year, Southern Baptist and North American uh, Mission Board in 2021 came together to add 1,118 new congregations and have planted since 2010 more than 9,400 churches across America. And when you give, you support more than 2,400 missionary families. So your giving is so incredibly important to the North American Mission Board and the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. We're going to watch a brief video that's going to tell us again more about the theme. And then after that video, there'll be another short video that shows how God is using our donations to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering in order to promote the gospel and spread his kingdom in the world. They see him here. They see him here. And they see him here. We know it because he said it. Jesus said, the world will see him when the world sees us. That's why together, 
we do this. We give so that those who've not yet seen can see. It means something when the world sees how we give. It means something because we do not look the same. It means something because we do not sound the same. It means something because when we give, this is what the world sees. They see the gospel doing what the world cannot. They see the gospel making us one. And so we give. We give so that missionaries can go. We give so that churches can be started, hurts can be healed, and truth can be shared. We give so the world might see Jesus in us, united as one. It's hard to explain to somebody what it's like to live on the street if they never lived on the street. Most of the people out on the streets either have mental illness or they have an addiction. I just went over the edge. Ended up getting heavy into some drugs, and I lost my job. I became homeless. I was constantly heat exhaustion, alcohol poisoning. Like I can literally say I was dying. Somehow, my parents got a hold of Kay, and that's what opened up the door for me to become sober. I met Yvonne, and she was homeless on the street, came to Friendship House, and things began to change in her life. Baptist Friendship House is a ministry center to folks that are impoverished, to folks that are unhoused, and to human trafficking survivors. We're able to provide them a meal. We're also able to meet those basic physical needs that, that others may have. It opens the door to minister to the spiritual needs so that a life-changing relationship can begin with Jesus Christ. We have a creative arts time, and usually that's pottery. They'll begin to open up and start sharing things during that time. When you sit there and you have the clay in your hand, you know what you're going to be doing with it and what's going to become of it. But the clay doesn't know what it's going to have to go through to get to it. Sometimes our lives are broken, and we're like just a big old lump of clay, and so lives can be molded and shaped by Jesus to be able to accomplish his perfect will. I have never seen a life change like Yvonne's, and it's just been amazing to watch God work in her life and then see how he's using her now in our ministry. I never would have thought that I would be where I am today because I had no hope. This place saved my life. When you give to Annie Armstrong, you help to make my ministry possible. Jesus never gives up on you, and so we should never give up on anybody else. Our scripture reading is Ephesians 4, 17 through 24, <clears throat> the new life. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, 
created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. If you would, please stand.
seated. If we could have the ushers come forward to receive the offering. Jared, lead us in order of prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we give you the time here today in order for you. Lord, to honor you, to honor your son. Lord, we do that through song, we do that through prayer. And Lord, right now, we do that through giving to you what you have given to us. Lord, we know that you will take our offerings, use it for your kingdom, for the spread of your gospel, and for your glory. Praise you for that. 
would please take your copy of God's Word and turn to the book of... Where am I today? Oh my goodness. Woo. Let's look at... It, it is, it's been a day, folks. It's been a day. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Woo. I promise you I looked at this this morning. I promise I did. Uh, if you would play... If you would please take your copy of God's Word and turn to Romans chapter 12. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, you should find one somewhere around you. Uh, And if you don't own a Bible, feel free to take the one that's in the pew with you. Uh, No one will bat, uh, no one will give you a a side look as you walk out the door with the Bible. We want people to have in their hands a copy of God's Word. And especially this morning, right now, for the next few minutes, it's important for you to have a copy of God's Word in your hands. So please take it and open it to the book of Romans. If you're having to use a a pew bulletin or pew Bible, uh, if you would, please turn to the back of the Bible, find page 126, and you will be at Romans chapter 12. Um, Right now, I think it's right now, uh, at First Baptist Church of Kempner, our dear brother James Sturgeon is preaching in view of a call to become their pastor. And so um, I would ask that, first of all, we're going to stand uh, in the, in re- for the reading of God's Word. And then after um, I finish reading, in addition to the normal prayer, just to ask the Lord to bless our time together, I want you to join with me in lifting up James as he preaches now. Ask God's blessing on him and upon the people at First Baptist Kempner. If you don't know where Kempner is, it's between Cove and Lampasas. All right. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, So that you may prove what the will of God is, which is good and acceptable and perfect. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful to be called by the name of Christ. To be considered people of the covenant. To be, as Paul would say, brethren. It's not of our own doing. We couldn't have thought it up even if we had a thousand lifetimes. Think of how could we save ourselves, but you, Lord, in your kind and gracious wisdom, you you planned for your son to take on human flesh, die in our place for our sins, so that we might have his righteousness and might have eternal life. Glorious truths, Father. That's not the end of the story for us. We're called, as Paul has so eloquently written for us, to present our bodies as living and holy sacrifices. So, Father, help us to do that. Help us to feel the weight and the import of these words. And, Father, I also pray for James as he preaches to the people at First Baptist in Kempner. I trust, Lord, that you've been leading James and Terry and that you've been leading the people at Kempner as well. We ask, God, that you would anoint his preaching, uh, that hearts would be stirred about Jesus, that people would leave wanting to know him more, to follow him more closely, 
And I pray, God, that your will would be done both in James and Terry and in the people at First Baptist Kentner. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. A few times in this series, I've taken great pains to note that as we consider the human constitution, that we are heart, soul, mind, and strength, that as you look at these aspects of humanity, they reveal the fearful and wonderful way in which God has made us all. But these aspects aren't neatly divisible. Like if you go to Walmart, there is a sporting goods section. We have to go there every time, right, Joey? There is grocery. There is an auto section. There's household. The human constitution is not divided up like that. Heart, soul, mind, and strength, not only are they not divisible, they overlap. I've said that the heart feels, but in Scripture the heart also thinks. The soul actually feels and so on. So it shows, as Shakespeare said so eloquently through Hamlet, we are a piece of work. What a wonderful piece of work is man. Now the fact that these, opinion, these aspects of humanity aren't neatly divided from one another points to how interwoven and interconnected they all are. This morning's text is a case in point. In, in this morning's text, Romans 12:1, Paul exhorts the Christians in Rome toward an act of worship that encompasses, that requires the participation of all of their soul, body, mind, and will. Now I want you to listen to this. Soul, body, mind, and will aren't a recipe for an act of worship where if you lack an ingredient, it's still going to turn out okay. You know, there's sometimes if you don't have a part of an ingredient, you can kind of make a dish work. That won't work here. To prove that, let's think back to the Old Testament. The sacrifices that God required entailed giving all of an animal, not just the flesh, not only the bones, but all of it. It all hangs or falls together. So Paul's admonition to the people in Rome is this. You've given God your soul. Now you must give Him your body, your mind, and your will. You see, Christians throughout history have been tricked by the deceiver into believing that as long as we give God the bones of our soul, then we've given what is required of us. The rest is optional. Paul doesn't see it that way. Body, soul, mind, and will, they all hang or fall together. Now this statement that is on the screen, I'm going to break it into parts, and that's going to be the outline for this morning's text. So if you didn't get it all down, trust me, you're going to get all of it. Paul begins with, you've given God your soul. In in verse 1, Paul says to the people of Rome, Therefore, I urge you, brethren... By the mercies of God. This this word, therefore, you you always have to ask the question when you're reading and studying your Bible, when you encounter a therefore, ask yourself this question. What is it there for? In other words, what is the connection between what I am reading now and what has come previous? And the connection here 
goes all the way back to the first 11 chapters, all of it. And it marks a shift in the entire focus of Paul's epistle to the Romans. The first part, the first 11 chapters were what we might call doctrine. And now Paul shifts to duty. In the first 11 chapters, there were the indicatives. They indicate what God has done for his people. And now in chapter 12, Paul pivots to talking about the imperatives, the commands. So he says, you've given God your soul. But to say that you have given God your soul is to say that you are in covenant with him. Now a covenant is a binding agreement. It's a binding agreement. But listen to this. It is only binding on the parties of the covenant. Only those who are a part of it are bound to its stipulations. Now, it shouldn't surprise us as Christians to know that all that God does for his people is done through covenant. You know, we have the Old Testament, which is the Old Covenant. And, and in the Old Covenant, you find the covenant with Abraham. You find God's covenant with Noah. You find God's covenant with Israel. You find God's covenant with David. All the things that God does for the believer, he does through covenant. And those who are the parties of the covenant are bound by the terms of the covenant. Now, I I point this out for this reason. Only the parties of the covenant may fulfill the terms of the covenant. You may think, where are you going with this? Hang, Hang with me. Only the parties of the covenant have permission to fulfill the terms of the covenant. I alone, as Stephanie's husband, I have permission to fulfill the covenant obligations of marriage. No other person can do that. Only me. And no one outside the covenant, that is to say, unbelievers, is permitted to participate in covenant worship. In other words, you can't give God your body, your soul, your mind, your will. You can't do any of that. Case in point, you remember in the Old Testament, the tabernacle, the temple, only Jews were allowed to go in. Only people who were a part of the covenant had permission to come forward and to fulfill the terms of the covenant. Furthermore, only the parties of the covenant have the possibility of fulfilling the terms of the covenant. John MacArthur, pray for John MacArthur. If you, if you know who he is, longtime pastor at Grace Community Church out in California. Uh, he is struggling uh, with some, some health issues. 83 years old. He's a lion of a preacher. Been in ministry for a long time. And, and that doesn't make him any more special than anyone else. But he's like E.F. Hutton. When he speaks, I listen. And so should you. Listen to what he says. No matter what his personal feelings might be, the unredeemed person, in other words, the unbeliever who is outside of the covenant with God, that person cannot worship God. And to connect it to this text, he says, that person cannot make an acceptable offering to God. They cannot please God in any way with any 
offering. But now in Christ, Christians have been made new. And now, not only are we permitted to fulfill the terms of the covenant, it is, it's possible. We can't say, God, I can't do this. He has made it possible for us to walk in faithfulness with Him. So only the parties of the covenant may uh, be tied to uh, the, the stipulations of the covenant. Not only that, only the parties of the covenant must fulfill the covenant terms. Only the parties of the covenant are prescribed to fulfill the terms of the covenant. The duties, Paul in the first 11 chapters talked about doctrine. Now he's pivoting to duty. That only applies to those who are in covenant. And it is prescribed to them. It's not optional. First 11 chapters are indicative. What God has done for His people in Christ describes all of the work. And now Paul says, if, if you are in covenant now, the imperatives, the commands, they are, they are incumbent upon you. They are prescribed to you. You must do them. How do we know that Paul's talking to believers? He calls them brethren. If you've given God your soul, you are in covenant with Him through Christ. You are one of the brethren. You are saved. You are a part of the new covenant community. You are of those who have given God your soul. Now here I want to hone in on a particular way of thinking about the soul. I've said it this way before. It's the seat of spiritual life. By which a believer will commune with God and have fellowship with Him. Now, one of the things that Paul draws attention to is the mercies of God. How is it that a person is able to give God his soul? It's on the basis of the mercies of God. It's that God looked down upon sinful, broken, condemned people and said, I will shower my mercies upon you. And I could give the scripture um, addresses for each of these mercies that I'm about to point out, but they're all in the first, ha- first part of Romans. Let me just list them for you rapid fire. Through the mercies of God, we are called the beloved of God. We have been called to Him. We have received grace. We have experienced the power of salvation. We've received God's kindness. He has forgiven us. Christ's Sacrifice has taken away the wrath of God. We now are free from sin. We have been brought into a relationship with God, now reconciled to Him. We have been justified. God looks at us, and it is just as if we had never sinned, and just as if we had always obeyed. We're being conformed to His Son. One day we will be glorified. And the eternal life that has begun in us, here and now, we will experience in fullness. We look forward to the resurrection of our bodies. We have been brought into divine sonship. We have the indwelling Holy Spirit. We have the gift of faith. God gives us His peace. Through Him we have hope. We have Christ's righteousness. We look forward to the glory of God being showered upon us. He's shown us honor and mercy. If you've given your soul, it's not because you just thought, you know, this seems like a wise thing to do. No, the way God does it, is He shows you His mercies. And on the basis of that, you act. So I ask, have you given your soul to God? If you are an unbeliever, this is your starting point. 
You cannot say, I just want to be a good person and God will accept. No. This is your starting point. You must give first your soul to God. You must consider the mercies of God in Christ through the gospel. And you must repent of your sin. And you must place your faith in Christ alone. And if you do that, then you will be in covenant with God through Christ. You will be one of the brethren. And you will be permitted to carry out the terms of the covenant. You will be, it will be possible for you to do so. And it is prescribed for you to do this. Why? Because of the mercies of God. We're glad people. We're thankful. We live grace, lives of gratitude because of what God has done in showering His mercies upon us. So you've given your soul to God. Now you must give Him your body. Paul says in verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Notice he says, and I'm using the New American Standard Version, he uses the word urge. I urge you, brethren. Now this word urge is really, it is a, and this is how I come, come at it. It's a command that's expressed, it's understood as a command, but it's expressed as an admonition. I encourage you, I urge you to do this. And notice he gives this command to the brethren. Not to subordinates, but to spiritual family. This word urge, others say, is somewhere between a request and a command. The word was used of exhorting troops who were about to go into battle. And when Paul uses this word urge, it carries along with it all of his authority as an apostle and a preacher. So here in this, even though he says, I urge, he expects people to hear it as something that is not optional. And instead of standing over them and commanding commanding them to do that, he wants them to look back upon the mercies of God and be willing to give God the highest level of service in worship. So we give God our bodies on the basis of His mercies. Paul says, I urge you to present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now this is priestly language to present, like presenting a sacrifice, which is exactly what Paul speaks of. Remember, even in the Old Testament, God said to His people, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So even in the Old Testament, God said, you're going to be like priests to me, but it has not changed in the New. 1 Peter 2.5, Peter speaking to the people to whom he's writing says, And you also as living stones are built, being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. And in verse 9, he says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. So that raises a question, does it not? If there are no more Old Testament sacrifices, because Jesus was the last sacrifice, and if there are no more priests... Christ is the great high priest, then what is our priestly function as the people of God? Part of our priestly service to God, 
Paul mentions here. And it's to offer up the only New Testament sacrifice that yet exists. Like a priest offering a sacrifice, we are to give our bodies as a living and holy sacrifice. I want you to notice here. Christ Jesus is the great high priest, is he not? But yet he is also the Lamb of God. He is both priest and sacrifice. We're no different. We aren't a great high priest like him. We don't present a sacrifice to remove sin and guilt. Jesus did that. Our priestly role is to be both priest and offering. As priest, we present And as offering, we present our bodies as a sacrifice, not for our justification, but for our sanctification. You see, the Greeks, Paul lived and breathed the air of the the Greek uh, culture. And Greeks had a very low view of the body. They actually wanted to be free from it, just get rid of it. Now, the reason I bring that up is because some people, when they hear in verse 1, your spiritual service of worship. It's possible to think that our sacrifices are just purely spiritual so that what we do with our bodies has nothing to do with the sacrifice that we present. Now that probably wouldn't have been a leap for the people to whom Paul is writing in Rome to think that very thing. After all, the Greeks had a low view of the body. So this is why Paul, from the very beginning realizes that unless these Roman Christians embrace not just spiritual sanctification, but bodily sanctification, they'd be hamstrung from the beginning. They wouldn't get out of the blocks. Now this word that we translate as sacrifice, it's the Greek word thusia. And what it means is to let go up in smoke. That, that makes us think back to the Old Testament, to a to a whole burnt offering. It's not referring to sacrifices in general because there were different kinds of sacrifices. You could bring a grain offering, a priest offering. Now this is talking about a sacrifice that is slain. So here, Paul has given us a paradox. Our bodies are presented like those of the animals, but not like them to be slain. Yet like them so completely to be made gods that during their whole life they're as good as slain. In other words, we're living, but yet we walk as if we have died to the world and we have died so that we might be raised in Christ. Excuse me. So the type of surrender that Paul's talking about, this presenting, it takes place by means of a death and resurrection, a death and a life combined. And the sacrificial death that Paul has in mind is a crucifixion. And he says that this sacrifice must be living and holy, acceptable to God. The laws governing Old Testament sacrifices were the same ones that governed Jesus' final sacrifice. And our sacrifice is no different. It must be living. You could not come and present a dead offering. We must come as a living offering. We must come as holy, not profane. God would not accept profane offerings. We must give God our best. That was what was expected of the people of old, that they would bring their very best 
to God. Not the leftovers that remain after we have taken the best for ourselves. No, God only accepts living holy sacrifices of our very best. And at the very end of the Old Testament, God points out to the people of Israel how they have, instead of giving them what is holy, what is best, what is acceptable, they have given polluted animals to Him. They profane their marriage covenants and they have withheld their tithes from Him. No, we are to give God our bodies. John Chrysostom says, How is the body to become a sacrifice? He says this, Let the eye look on no evil thing, and it has already become a sacrifice. Let the tongue say nothing filthy, and it has become an offering. Let your hand do nothing evil, and it has become a whole burnt offering. Even if the, excuse me, but even this is not good enough. For we must have good works also. The hand must do alms, and the ears must find the time to listen to the reading of Scripture. Sacrifice allows of no unclean thing. It is the first fruits of all other actions. So we are to present our bodies as a living and holy sacrifice. And Paul says, it is your spiritual service of worship. This word for spiritual is sometimes translated in other translations as rational or logical. Spiritual has in mind presenting the body as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. It's a spiritual service of worship because the body and the spirit are doing it. But it's also rational in that it's logical. It follows logically. It's reasonable to the mind. It's a a no-brainer. I'll say it this way. If we are priests giving offerings that are the holy and acceptable to God, it's a no-brainer. It's what you would expect to find a priest doing. So now we must give God our body, but not only our body, our mind. Verse 2, Paul says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And and connects the verses, verses 1 and 2 together in such a way as to indicate the way in which we carry out number 1. Verse 1. And the first prong of the attack that Paul prescribes is this. He says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not be conformed. Don't be like a chameleon. The Phillips translation, which is very old. Okay, we're having issues here. I apologize. Um, We're going to get through this. The Phillips translation says, Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. First Corinthians 2.16 tells us we have the mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ shows us how this world tries to keep us squeezed into its own mold. But we have the mind of Christ so that we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And the second prong that Paul prescribes for us is to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. He says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't no longer be, tr- be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That but shows a big contrast between conforming to the world and transforming through the renewal of the mind. He's telling them, the time for acting like the world has go- it's passed, it's over, it's gone. Paul 
writes in other places to people and he, he describes actions that, that people did. And he said, such were, were, past tense, some of you. But now he says, be transformed. Transformed means it's not something that happens from inside out. No, it starts deep within the human heart. It's a radical reorientation. This word for transformed is the word from which we get our scientific word metamorphosis. Where a butterfly, before it's a butterfly, it's a caterpillar and it builds a cocoon. And then it emerges as a butterfly. This same word was used about Jesus at his transfiguration. And when we renew our minds, the passive result of that is that we're transformed. Paul says we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. It's not simply about changing our behavior or learning a few lessons. It requires a complete makeover of our mind. We have the mind of Christ. It's given to us as part of the covenant. But we still have to fight the battle for our mind. And through the word of God, the spirit of God renews the minds of the people of God through the word of God. So we must give God our mind, but then finally we give God our will. We've given God our soul, now we must give him our body, our mind, and our will. He says in the last part of verse 2, so that... So that you may prove what the will of God is. That which is good and acceptable and perfect. That so that indicates the purpose for which our minds are being renewed. (coughs) We're having all kinds of issues today. Thank you for your patience though. Okay, we're just going to leave it. I'm just going to put it all up there and hope it stays. Paul says we do this so that we can prove what the will of God is. That word for prove means this. You, you really look over something. You look it over. You examine it critically. And as a result of that, you draw a conclusion on the basis of the testing. Now, it's part of this word that proving... Testing is so that you can approve, not that you're going to say, well, that's no good. Because Paul says that God's word is good and acceptable and perfect. So we don't lay the plumb line of our standard against God's revealed will to test it to see if it meets our approval. No, we lay our minds in the process of renewal alongside the plumb line of God's word so that we might see it as good and acceptable and perfect. So that we'll know what the will of God is. Now we say... Know what the will of God is. It's not, is it God's will that I take this job? Is it God's will that I marry this person? That's not what is being talked about here. It's God's will of command. It's what God has revealed. It's what He has commanded. So that we will know what the will of God is. That which is good and acceptable and perfect. What God has revealed through His word. And David says in different places about God's word. He says, oh how I love your law. He has looked at God's word and he has seen it as good and acceptable and perfect. He says it's sweeter than honey. And we do that so that we can align our will to God, not the other way around. See, when we give our will to the Lord, we're to be convinced that it is his will. 
Furthermore, that it's good and acceptable and perfect and that we resolve ourselves to do His will. Christian, you've given God your soul. Now you must give Him your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. But in order to do that, you must give Him your mind. You must know God's will revealed for you in His word. And you must know that it is good, acceptable, and perfect. And you must know that God's word transforms your mind so that you can think His thoughts after Him. And you must desire His will to be your will. You must make His will your will. Your body presented to Him as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for... Your ability to transcend all kinds of issues that can go on in a worship service. And even though your word can be stumbled through, the power is not in the preacher. The power is in the word. Lord, it's in no uncertain terms today that we are to give you our bodies. Not just our souls, but our bodies, our minds, and our wills to you. You died for all of us. We are to give all of us in return. Lord, show us today how crucial our mind is. That apart from our mind being renewed, how can we even think that your will would be good? And then even to desire it so that we might give our bodies to you. No, it all hangs or falls together. But Lord, in thinking about the mind, we must be reminded. We must start with the renewing of our minds through your word. In doing so, we prepare ourselves, we lay a foundation for being the living sacrifice you desire from us. In Christ's name, amen. Would you please stand? We're going to sing only trust him. If there's a decision you need to make at this time, you feel free to do so. Let's sing together. just a few moments and uh, go over our prayer list. Um, do you want to give an update about Rita? Um, yes, my sister-in-law, uh, we did get uh, pretty bad news this week. The cancer has spread uh, to her lungs and uh, liver, and so they are planning on starting chemotherapy this week. And then Porter on next Monday will start his three weeks of radiation for his new spots. So thank you for your prayers and continue to yes. do that. We're gonna, they are at MD Anderson. We're going to plan to go down there next weekend so that we can visit. Um, I have one other thing, Brother Shannon. Yes, ma'am. I don't know if uh, any of you may have heard or seen that there was uh, something at Brady Fire Department this last week. Um, there was a young uh, fireman 
that took his own life uh, there at the station. And uh, he was a very good friend to Billy's. And uh, just a really tragic thing. And the, uh, of course, the, the personnel, the people that he worked with were the ones there to take care of him. And so they are struggling. Yes. And uh, so I covet your prayers for all of them, for, for the family and for those uh, first responders because they are going through something that's really tough right now. All right. Uh, are there any other updates you might want to pass along? Any of you about anything on here? Yes, ma'am. Mary was here last week, and I failed to point that out. She had slipped out in the foyer at the end of the service, and that's the young lady that we're praying for. She's got to have a pretty serious surgery here in the future. She's been dealing with some infection, and we pray that God will remove that infection and it will be healed so that she can have this surgery. It's a very risky surgery, and so lots of prayers needed for Mary. Anyone else have an update for anything? You might have noticed uh, at the top there's a list of things that we add to. They're just kind of, they pretty well stay the same for the most part. But there's one at the very bottom you might notice, and it's, it's Clearview Family Resources. Um, that is, we're going to have some, some guests tonight from Clearview Family Resources. It's a crisis pregnancy center that is in the, in the process of getting um, started and functioning uh, in San Saba. They're going to be here tonight to share more about it. Um, so I encourage you to be here tonight and then also to pray for Clearview Family Resources. Anything else before, before we pray? All right, let's stand. We'll pray, and then we'll say the Great Commission together, and we'll be dismissed. Lord, we uh, come to you with heavy hearts. Um, it's so difficult to hear of someone taking their own life. And um, I can't even imagine what the family is going through and all of the friends. But I pray that you would surround the firefighters, survive, surround the family with your presence. Give to them, Father, comfort. Uh, provide peace that they can't explain. And Lord, they are probably searching for answers. So I pray, God, that, that you would be to them uh, the wisdom of God. Lord, calm uh, those that are fretting, the, the hearts that are hurting. Uh, Lord, just help them know that this has got to be so incredibly difficult. We also pray for Mary. Uh, continue to heal her body, Father, so that she can have this surgery and pray that the surgery would be flawless. And also, Lord, we pray... Um, for Rita and for Porter as they start their treatments. God, the, the news has not been good, uh, but we trust in you. And so we pray that you would 
lead them to trust in you as well. Be with Denise and Billy as they go down and, and share time together with them. Help them to be a support and encouragement to them in this time of struggle. Lord, we love you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's say the Great Commission together. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always.